Hey folks, another busy week of politically charged legal news making the headlines. More and more questions are being raised about a controversial New York Post story about Hunter Biden. Meanwhile, prosecutors brought terrorism and conspiracy charges against 14 men for plotting to kidnap Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer and incite a civil war. And the DOJ unmasking probe investigating Obama administration officials concluded without any charges or a public report. Ann and I discuss all this and more on the Cafe Insider podcast. Today, we're sharing a clip from the episode with listeners of Stay Tuned. To hear our full conversation and access all other Cafe Insider content, try the membership free for two weeks. You can do that at cafe.com slash insider. That's cafe.com slash insider. College students with a valid.edu email can head to cafe.com slash student and sign up at a lower rate. Again, that's cafe.com slash student. We look forward to having you as a part of the insider community. So Preet, you know, you you and I had talked about the reporting in the New York Post about Hunter Biden um, that sort of said that they had, I mean, it's a very convoluted story. The sort of article basically states that they, Hunter Biden dropped off a laptop at a retail shop to get it fixed in Delaware. And then this laptop falls into Rudy Giuliani's hands and Giuliani finds on it these photos of Hunter Biden and sort of emails back and forth. And the Post writes this story sort of intimating that Vice President Biden had a meeting with someone from the Ukraine that, you know, it's it's basically an argument, like it's it's intended as an October surprise. The Post ran it without the byline of the reporter, the lead reporter. It was not duplicated by other newspapers. You and I talk about this all the time. Like, you should always be wary if there's only one source of information and and multiple, the other newspapers can't sort of authenticate that it's the right, it's the real laptop and that the information being provided is is accurate. There were just a lot of tells in the, in the report. And I think it was carried a lot on Fox News, but it was pretty universally condemned by most journalists. And it, it both Twitter and Facebook, for slightly different reasons, refused to really allow it to go out in the normal way that information would go out. And so you and I, and I think it's just worth saying, initially had thought to not discuss it um, up until the point that there was more conversation about how it was being discredited because it just wasn't clear that it was, it just felt like a very problematic story with a lot of questions about, you know, whether it was real, how the laptop got into Giuliani's hands. There's some information about the FBI issuing subpoenas to that computer dealership to try to figure out whether, you know, this relates to Russian um, disinformation campaign or even could potentially relate to the hack of the Burisima um, emails earlier in January. Of course, Burisima was the company that Hunter Biden sat on the board of. So, uh, you know, I think it's it's worth talking about how how sort of this was intended as an October surprise that feels like it's fallen very flat to me. Just the main features and contours of the story, plus the timing, plus the protagonists, make it feel just so absurd. And once again, script writers going off the deep end and getting way drunk when they were writing the final episode of whatever series, hell series we happen to be living in. The fact that it's Hunter Biden, the fact that we're just days away from the ending of the election, the fact that it's Rudy Giuliani, the fact that, I, I think you didn't mention this yet, the intelligence community has serious concerns that Rudy Giuliani is a victim of a Russian disinformation campaign. And then all of the journalistic sort of alarms that you discussed make this whole thing nuts. Now, does that mean that things are impossible? I don't know. But we can't go into 
you know, the, the, the final fortnight of the election, credulous again, when in 2016, we had the same issue with last minute laptop, what was on it? Was it relevant? Did it have anything to do with, you know, something that was important or not? I just want to focus and emphasize what you said about the reporting. What's bizarre to me, Rudy Giuliani is the one who comes into this information somehow, and he has credibility problems to say the least. He basically says he took it to the post. He was saying he thought other outlets might vet it more. And maybe he was right about that. He takes it to the post and even the post, the main reporter who wrote the article, Bruce Golding, I happen to know Bruce Golding. He's a pretty good reporter. He covered my office. So every press conference I ever did back in the time when I was the US attorney, he was there and he wrote the story on almost all the cases or many of the cases that we brought when I was in that position. And he decided, it's not just that the, the paper didn't decide not to put his byline on the article. He did not put his byline on the article because he had issues with the story. Query why he's writing a story at, at the conclusion of which he's so concerned about the reporting that he doesn't want to put his name on it. I don't get that. I thought about that too, but I have an, I have an argument on that, which is that okay. I bet I bet that it came in, as these things do, to a newsroom and that he was assigned to run it down and see what he could find. And, you know, at the beginning, you're not clear what it is, if it's real or not. And you know, he probably is someone who felt like, and and also we should note that, you know, the Post is known for its sort of uh, more aggressive and salacious articles, right? Like they're willing to write things that even when, you know, other newspapers might know the full details of something, they don't always put out those details if they don't yeah. feel like it's, it's furthering it's a lower journalistic bar. costs. It yeah, has lower, it's a lower standards. Bar. But, but I will say, and this goes to the question of how Twitter and, and social media platforms handled it, you know, it is, it's considered a mainstream periodical. It's not It's not a fringe periodical. Um, it is a tabloid. Uh, some people say that the Daily News is also a tabloid. And I, you know, you, you can at the same time believe that it was shoddy reporting, that this information is not verified, that it shouldn't have seen the light of day, but that a, a blanket prohibition against the retweeting of an article that appears in something like the New York Post is itself dangerous. And by the way, the, the, the other thing that's fascinating to me is that there are reports from Mediaite that Fox News itself was the first place that Giuliani shopped the story to, and they had enough concerns about the provenance of the laptop and everything else that they didn't run it, which is curious for a couple of reasons. One, after the New York Post ran it, Fox News commentators and hosts had no problem running with the story. Yep. Even though, if you believe they the, just weren't the other reporters. willing to yeah. be the primary source, they but were willing even, to even take people, it. Yes. Yeah. Even people like Brett Baer. You know, he's one of Fox News's top news anchors. He himself said on there, quote, let's let's say just not sugarcoat it. The whole thing is sketchy. End quote. You know, he said, you couldn't write this script in 19 days from an election, but we are digging into where this computer is and the emails and the authenticity of it. So given the experience of 2016 and and quite frankly, the experience of the whole every day of the last four years, people need to be very careful about jumping to conclusions on things without proper vetting. And this Look, that's, clearly that's what done. I think it is. And and there's also, I mean, I, I think that the journalist not being willing, look, he ran down a lead um, and it's clear that what he found he didn't think was sufficient to warrant publication. That says a lot, right? And so, you know, it's clear that there are a lot of questions. And I do think like, look, this is, it is a legitimate 
And it's an important thing for people to basically say to members of the media, like, you know, obviously you're not going to disclose your sources, but to require, and particularly the journalists, like we don't require, we basically let journalists protect sources, but usually like the norm, and it's a really important norm, is that the journalists and the art and the paper publishing it have spoken directly to sources. They have authenticated it. They believe that the material wasn't from a hacked computer. You know, all these things that sort of matter. And and again, I think the fact that also Giuliani's own words of not wanting anybody to really vet it, right? He just he just wants somebody to take the stuff and, and put it out. Um, there's also something in the Post article that should raise a lot of alarms for people, which is there's this thing about an email that was allegedly sent to Hunter Biden, right? So it's like, there's, it's just, it's really, really, it's even sketchy the way it's written in part. Um, And we should also note that the vice president's staff basically said, look, we checked his calendars. There was never a meeting. So like what the the article says, like, you know, that that vice president Biden had set up a meeting and, and there was no such meeting. So there are just huge reasons to question its veracity. And I think like, look, this is what Giuliani has been doing. He's been out there you know, Trump asked Russia to, you know, hack Hillary Clinton's emails. Like Rudy Giuliani has been out asking Russia for assistance with the election, it appears. And there's questions about whether he's being used by Russian intelligence sources that are being vetted. It's really serious stuff. And so then all of a sudden in October, we get this. And I think, you know, there was a lot, a lot of of skepticism, um, rightfully so. I fear this is not going to stop President Trump from bringing it up at what may yet be a debate on Thursday evening. Yeah, look, they got what they wanted, right? So we should also be clear of this, that Giuliani and Trump got what they wanted in one sense, which is, to your point, Fox News can go out and talk about it. Some of the journalists won't, but a lot of them will basically say, look, the New York Post published this. It becomes a, like, quote, legitimate news source, close quote, for them to to sort of to use. Can I can I read to you something that I read that I thought was very um, interesting on the a sort of different take on the Hunter Biden thing? It was written by Sean McCreesh, who's actually generally a New York Times writer, but was writing for uh, Grading Carter, has a publication called Airmail. McCreesh writes, uh, the title is New York's Hottest It Girl, Hunter Biden. And the quote is, This was the week Hunter officially became the full-on Tara Reid of American politics. And the whippersnappers who run your favorite magazines, nearly all of them disillusioned, diehard Bernie Sanders supporters, at last found something to like about lame old Joe, namely his son. So I think, and there are some pretty classic quotes in there. Um, The New Yorker's Naomi Fry tweeted, get Hunter in the White House. The president having a hot, troubled son is a net positive in my book. So I, I think there's been a lot of sort of back and forth on the article. Um, I sort of wondered what impact it will have. I think I think it can impact Trump's base, obviously, and a significant section of the population. But I think it's largely been discounted by the widestream media. And if anything, it's come to the point where I, I, I'm reading sort of the funnier parts of the McCreesh article. But his point is that Hunter's relatable, that, you know, him suffering from from drug addiction and having had a troubled past in some ways makes him more sympathetic in some ways to young people. And well, not just him, but also his father. Um, you know, some of the messages, I don't know if they're accurate or not, between Joe Biden and his son include Joe Biden waking up first thing in the morning and instead of tweeting some nonsense like the president does, it addresses Hunter as, you know, my beautiful son. Good morning, my beautiful son. And people are like, how is that? something bad. It, it's showing a parent who has unconditional love for his son, having lost his other son, 
just in recent years. So I'm not sure what the strategy is here with respect to some of this on top of the sketchiness of the whole thing. So Preet, the, um, the airmail publication is not the only one that was that there's a little bit of humor around related to the Hunter Biden story. Last Thursday, Twitter basically, the, you know, the New York Post had published the Hunter Biden email story. And then the next day, Donald Trump I hope you enjoyed this sample of the Cafe Insider podcast. To listen to the full episode, head to cafe.com slash insider and try out the membership free for two weeks. Interested students with a valid.edu email can head to cafe.com slash student. To the many of you who have chosen to join the Insider community, thank you for supporting our work.